Hi and welcome to eTalmud 2.0. We are <coughs> learning Moed Katan and we are um, at the top of Gimel Amun Beis 3b. And we're talking about um, getting lashes, getting malkos for plowing during the Shemitah year. And um, there's a machlokes, there's a dispute regarding that, and that's what we're going to talk about now. When Ravdimi came from Israel to Babylonia, he said, He said that he heard the scholars in Israel saying the following words, that it might have been thought that you get lashes for the tosefes, which means the extension, the nasev la tamudu um, but then there was a teaching that was used to um, as an exemption from lashes. But I don't know what the sages meant when they were referring to um, what they were referring to, <coughs> um, and what the what the brisa or the sages meant when they referred to the um, lashes. To the extension. So meaning, I heard about that you may get extent lashes for the extension, but then there was a proof that you don't. So I don't know what the proof that you don't is, and I don't even know what the extension is referring to. So that's really what Rav Dimi said. So now we're going to have to clarify. Um, so Rav Lazar Amar, so Rav Lazar clarifies, Harisha, when we refer to the extension, it refers to plowing during Shemitah, and it would be an extension because it's not explicitly written in the Torah in regards to Shemitah. Um, it's, we learn it through one of the, from one of the rules from which we expound, on which we use to expound the Torah, which in this case would be the Klaloprotokol, the generalization, specification, and generalization, generalization rule, then that would include plowing in the prohibition. That's why it's called an extension. And this is what the Brisa was saying. You may have thought that you do get lashes for plowing during Shemitah because we learn it out from a generalization and then a specification and then a generalization. Um, the generalization says that you're not allowed to, your field has to be rest in the seventh year. Then there's a specification, specific things that you're not allowed to do. Then there's another generalization that it has to rest. And we say that from there you learn that um, anything that is um, similar to the specification would be included in the prohibition. So plowing would be included in the prohibition. But then we have a teaching, which is used to exempt you from lashes. Because if it is true that plowing gets lashes, why do I need then the Torah to make to list specific labors with regard to shemitah? Um, right? It says specifically that you're not allowed to sow, reap, prune, and pick grapes. And we know that picking grapes and pruning are just subcategories of sowing and reaping. And if we know that anything similar to the specification is going to be included in the prohibition, why then would we need to include pruning and picking grapes? Of course that should be included. Rather, it must be that these four things that are specified you get lashes for. The other things that are similar are forbidden, but you do not get lashes for. Um, okay, so that was one way of explaining the brisa that Rav Dimi brought with him from Israel to Babylonia. This is the second way of understanding the brisa about how you may have thought there would have been lashes for the extension, but there's a teaching that tells us there isn't. Rabbi Yechanan says, 
Um, the extension refers to the days that the sages added to the Shemitah year prior to Rosh Hashanah, which begins the Shemitah year. So Rosh Hashanah begins the seventh year. So the sages say that there are days before the seventh year which, in which you still have to keep your, your, your field um, resting. Um, <clears throat> so the Hachi Ka Amar... And that's called the extension because it was an extension of time beyond that which the Torah tells us. So, and this is what the Bryce was saying. So you may have thought that you get lashes for working the land during the extension of the Shemitah year before Rosh Hashanah because the prohibition against working the land during this period of time is learned from the verse at the plowing and at the reaping, you shall rest. And we learn, learn from here and we're going to see later how we learn it from here, but we learn from this verse that you're not allowed to do plowing and reaping even before the seventh year starts, even before Rosh Hashanah. And then we have a teaching that tells us an exemption from lashes, which will be um, which will be stated later later on. We'll see this um, in our next podcast. Okay. So now the question, so, so that's basically the second understanding of the b'risa that Rav Dimi brought with him, that you may have thought you get lashes for plowing before Rosh Hashanah of the seventh year. Uh, we have a teaching to tell us otherwise, and we'll learn more about this as we go on. But now the Gemara is going to elaborate and say, What is meant by the days prior to Rosh Hashanah? Which days? How many days? What is this period of time that you're not allowed to plow before the Rosh Hashanah of the seventh year? Kid, it's not. It's likely learned in on Mishnah. In Shavias, until one, until when can you plow in a field of trees on the eve of the seventh year, on the eve of the Shemitah year? As long as your plowing is good for the fruit of the sixth year, so good for the fruit that's presently in the field, you're still allowed to plow. Because then you're not plowing for the sake of the fruit of the seventh year. You're still plowing for the sake of the fruit of the sixth year. Uves Hillel Omerim and Beis Hillel says, Adho Atzeret. You can plow your field until the Shavuos prior to the seventh year. Ukrovim divri elu lioski divri elu. And the words of these are close to being like the words of these, meaning the opinion of Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel are basically identical. Beishamai's deadline of when it's going to be good for this year, fruit of the sixth year, is basically Shavuos as well. So they're really saying basically the same thing. Okay, um, and now we're going to continue on. So that's as far as a field of trees. Uvad And until when may one plow a grain field on the eve of the seventh year, on the eve of Shemitah? So we say, It's until the moisture ceases, until the moisture in the ground ceases. Because if there's still moisture, um, as long as there's still moisture, then plowing is good for the current crop. It's afterwards that it's very clear that you are then plowing for the next year's, for the seventh year's stuff. And also as long as people plow, are plowing to plant the squash and gourd plants of that year, you're still allowed to plow the field because it could be understood as um, as you're plowing it in order to be able to plant these late crops, which are the which is the uh, gourd and um, 
Gordon squash plots, plants. I'm sorry. And what the the way the way this is understood is that is that even if the ground moisture has dried up, you're still allowed to plow as long as people are still planting plowing to plant squash and gourd. So that's basically the idea here. Reb Shimon, Reb Shimon says no. He doesn't like the squash and gourd rule. Because if it's true that it's dependent on when people, quote unquote, people stop plowing to plant the squash and gourd, then really the Torah has placed the time for each individual in his own hands. In other words, there could be many different times as to when plowing will be forbidden from that point because different people will plant squash and gourds uh, later than others. Um, and when you don't have a clear deadline, um, you you leave a lot of room for transgression. That's the basic idea here. Ella, rather, rather, with regard to a grain field, um, you can plow until Pesach, and after Pesach you, of, the pre, of the sixth year, you're no longer allowed to plow. That's the idea. Okay. Um, and we'll skip the next words. They're in parentheses. When you see words in parentheses in the Gemara, um, we will, uh, we'll, oh, actually, it was, and then with regard to a field of trees, then you could do it until Shavuos, which we said is basically the opinion of both Beis Shammai and Beis Hill. Fine. So now we're going to talk further about it, about this plowing before the seventh year. said in the name of Levi, who said in the name of Bar Kapara, Rebban Gamlil Nimnu Al Prakim Rabbi Gamliel and his court took a vote concerning these two times, meaning Pesach as the latest you can plow your grain field, and Shavuos as the latest that you could um, um, is the latest that you can do your um, tree field. Um, so they spoke about those two times, Uvitlum, and then they nullified them, and they said that they you can actually plow up until Rosh Hashanah of the Shemitah year. So now the obvious question. It's a very, very important foundational concept in the Gemara and in the system of Halacha, which is as follows. Some say How could Rabbi Gamliel and his court annul an enactment of Beishamay and Beishillel? But didn't we learn in a Mishnah? Right, because both Beishamay and Beishillel agree that Pesach and Shavuos are the respective deadlines for plowing fields, for plowing grain fields and tree fields, respectively. So the question is, is how could Rabbi Gamliel come in and know in an enactment of Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel? Bahatanan, didn't we learn in a Mishnah? Ein Beisdin, Yachol Levatel, Divrei Beisdin Chavero, Ela Imken Gadol Mimeno Bechachlom A later court cannot abolish the edicts of an earlier court, unless it's greater than the earlier court in both wisdom and number. And Ram Gamliel's court was certainly not greater than that of Beishamais and Beishillos. So what do we say? So we say, So Rabbi Vohu was quiet for a moment. He didn't really have an answer. That's a very good point. How could Rabbi Gamliel's court um, nullify the uh, the psak, the enactment of an earlier court? Omar but then he said to them, Amar kach hisnu We have to say that both Beishamah and Beisela, they stipulated amongst themselves when they made this enactment, they call harot levatel bivatel, that if somebody wants to come and nullify this enactment, they have 
they have permission to nullify this enactment. Um, okay, so then we're now, so that's that's the first response. The first response is is that you are allowed to you're allowed to be mavatal. You're allowed to nullify a previous court's enactment, even if you're not greater than it. Um, if within their statement or within their enactment they gave permission, they left room to nullify it later in a later generation. The second way that we're going to talk about this is as follows: Did who he? This prohibition against plowing in advance of Shemitah is that really Beishamay and Beishelo's own enactment? No, it's a law that was transmitted to Moshe at Mount Sinai. Now, this is a specific category of, of law. It's not written in the Torah. We just have it based on tradition. Um, now, and we're, we're proposing that this plowing, the prohibition to plow before the seventh year begins on Rosh Hashanah is actually a halachal Moshe Messinai. Um, sorry, I just lost my place. Um, it's actually a halachal Moshe Messinai. And what, what does that mean? So let's see. Because Rabbi Asi said, in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, who said in the name of Rabbi Nechonia, who was a resident of the valley of Beis Chartan, that the following laws are Esther Natios. So the first law is the plowing of a field of 10 saplings, which is the idea of if you have a field that has a density of 10 saplings, to every 2,500 square amos, and an ama is between one and a half and two feet, it's permitted to plow until the very last day before Rosh Hashanah of Shemitah. But if the, because if you don't, then the trees will perish. But if the trees are mature, then you can plow, plowing before Shemitah is actually forbidden. And that, so the, that first law of plowing before Shemitah being forbidden, Arava, the temple Arava ceremony on Sukkot, which is an interesting ceremony. There's different ways of understanding exactly what happened, but it was some sort of walking around the altar, either carrying the willows. Arava is a willow. The willows or the willows were standing in, in the center. Um, and Nisuchamayim, the Nisuchamayim, and the libation of water on Sukkot on the altar, which forms the centerpiece of the Simchas Beis HaShoeva, the celebration of the water libations. All three of these laws are known to us as It's a law that was transmitted to Moshe at Sinai. Um, so this makes the question even stronger that, wait a minute, this isn't even Beishamah and Beishelo's law. This is a halacha Sinai. So certainly, Rabbi Gamliel will not be able to come and and um, abolish it or nullify it. So Amr Yitzchak says, the Halacha Moshe Misinai, that was specifically a prohibition on plowing 30 days before Rosh Hashanah. And then Beisham and Beisel, they came along and they enacted the prohibition starting earlier. Pesach and Shavuos. And they stipulated regarding their extension of the prohibition that that whoever wishes to nullify it can come and nullify it. That whoever wishes to nullify it can come and nullify it. So when Rabbi Gamliel and his court nullified, they only nullified the extra enactment that Beishamah and Beishelah had, did, had made, because in, in part of their enactment was permission to nullify. And the other part they didn't, the, the, but of course the 30 days they, the thirty days before Hashanah they didn't nullify because that would be illegal. And we'll stop here for today.